I'm going to be in the book of John chapter 17. I'm only going to read two verses, but in between there I'm going to talk about some things. I encourage you to go home and read John chapter 17. I guarantee you that I'm not going to finish today. I think we're going to come back next week unless the Lord uh, leads me another direction and talk about some specific things that the Lord is praying for us. By the way, look at your neighbor and say, Jesus is praying for you. Jesus is praying for you. John chapter 17, we're going to read verse 9 and verse 20, and then we're going to hop over to Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25 as a supporting text for that. John chapter 17, verse 9, I pray for them. Wow. I could just stop right there. Isn't that powerful? Jesus speaking to his disciples, but ultimately to us as well. I pray for them. Would you say that with me? I pray for them. I do not pray for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. Hebrews 7.25 Therefore, he is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him. I love that. Not just barely saved, not let's just get by, but saved to the uttermost, those who come to God through him. Since he always lives to make intercession for them. Say that with me. Make intercession for them. So as we look at this, this is from the book of John, chapter 17. And we see that Jesus is praying. The whole chapter is a prayer. He's praying to the Father. He is uh, talking to God. And, and we also see that he is praying for us. He is praying for us. He uh, is lifting us up before God. He's specifically praying for his disciples at that time. But then he goes on in verse 20 to say, and all those who will believe because of them. So here's the history. The disciples believed upon the Lord, and they created more disciples. And then those disciples created more disciples, and those disciples created more disciples, and those disciples, are you getting what I'm saying? And then eventually, somebody uh, in this crowd got saved, and, and somebody came to know the Lord and became a disciple of Jesus, and they began to witness to other people. And you see, so now we are believers upon the Lord. Those who have accepted Christ are believers upon the Lord. And so, Jesus wasn't just praying for those 12. He was praying for us. That, that's just so powerful. That hit me like just a ton of bricks this week. Because I, I don't know about you, but there's times when, when different emotions hit me, different things, and, and we're not to live by our emotions, but there, there's times when I'm struggling. Anybody uh, ever struggle? There's times when, uh, when I'm uh, discouraged and even times of depression and there's times of sickness and there's all these kinds of feelings and emotions and real things that I'm going through. And I don't feel like I have the power within me to keep going, to do what God's called me to do. Sometimes we feel, let's just get real. We're getting real this morning. 
But I also want to encourage you that when you feel your lowest, you're not alone. When even your friends have forgotten to pray for you, I'm preaching already, and when, when those who you trusted in the most have forgotten about your deepest problem and your deepest need, know this, that Jesus is incapable of forgetting you. He knows your need. He is a man that he experienced what you have experienced, and so he prays for you. He prays for you. That's pretty powerful. As a matter of fact, I would say that if you leave here today hearing nothing else, understand that he prays for you. But first, I want you to see something. The bulk of this is a prayer for us, for his disciples, but he didn't start off praying like that. First, he prayed for himself. What? Jesus, the Son of God? The one who did all the miracles, the one who was going to go to the cross and die for us and, and resurrect, and, and, and he prayed for himself? What an amazing thing. Prays for himself. Now, he doesn't, he, he prays that God would restore the glory that was once his when he was in heaven with him. But ultimately, when you wrap it all up, he's saying, Father, glorify yourself through me. Now, let me challenge you. I don't know about you, but I mean, I pray for my wife. I pray for my children. If the dog's messing up, I might even pray for him. Uh, you know what I'm saying. We, we pray for our church. We pay, pray for our loved ones. We pray for the world. We pray for all kinds of things. But have you ever, you know, many times i doing all that, and I'm just pouring my heart out for God, and, and I forget to pray for myself. We ought to pray for ourselves. Pastor, that sounds kind of self-centered. If Jesus prayed for himself, who are we to think that we shouldn't pray for ourselves, right? And so there's times when you just need to pray for yourself. I'm reminded of a time when, when David was discouraged and he, the Bible tells us that he encouraged himself in the Lord. So there's times you just got to pray for yourself because you know your problems. You know your issues. You know the deep things in your heart, and you got to pour those out before the Lord. So, as your pastor, I just gave you permission to pray for yourself. Now, don't just only pray for yourself, but pray for yourself, right? It's important. Jesus did that. He, he ultimately, and, and can we pray that through no matter what we go through, that God would be glorified? That's what Jesus was praying. That no matter the, the rough times and the, and the good times and the bad times and the sick times and the well times and all the times that we experience in our life, but the, the main thing is that God be glorified. My pastor used to say it like this. He used to say, it doesn't matter what happens to Brother McKinley as long as God gets the glory. He, he would say that all the time. It doesn't really matter what happens to us. It matters that God gets the glory. So pray that God would get the glory in your life. Pray that God would be lifted up, that, that people would see Jesus through your life.
It's important. He prayed for himself. He prayed that the glory of God would be in him and, and shine through him. Look at this scripture. If you take the whole of John 17, here are words that uh, insinuate and they are a personal relationship. He said, Father. He didn't come to God as some distant person. He's the Son of God, and he says, Father. And he calls himself a son. He says, you and I and me and yours and mine. And so his prayer comes from an intimate, deep place of relationship. A deep relationship. The most powerful prayers that you'll ever pray are ones that come from the intimate heart with God. When you're vulnerable. We, talk, we, we, we sung about being vulnerable before the Lord. You see, when you really love somebody, you can be vulnerable before them. I tell my wife things that you guys don't need to know about. Ain't none of your business. Because it's between me and her. Right? But guess what? There's some things I talk about with the Lord that even she don't need to know. Because I'm intimate with God. This place of personal relationship. And we're to pray from that. Jesus prayed from a, he said, Father, and I'm your son. You be lifted up. You be glorified. You be exalted so uh, that your, the kingdom would come, so that your will would be done. He's, he's praying all of these things from a place of deep relationship. And when we look at this prayer, I want you to see it from a, a little bit different sight. Yes, it's Jesus praying, but we can take this prayer and make a model of it as to how to pray for our children. How many need to know how to pray for your children? Look at this text. It'll show you. It'll help you. How many are ministers and pastors and leaders? Take this text and apply it to how to pray for those who are, are under uh, your leadership and under your care. We see that that's what Jesus is doing as he's praying for his disciples. John 17 is referred to as the high priestly prayer. Why? Because Jesus stands before God and he represents us. He stands at the throne and he represents us. And he's for me and not against me. Every weapon that is formed against me shall not prosper. You see, uh, the, the Jesus is for, and even when I do mess up, and even when I fall short and, and, and I don't do exactly what I, I should have done, then Jesus is still for me. And I believe at times he reminds the Father of the nail prints in his hands and the the scar on his side and the blood that was shed because he's our advocate. Comes and stands between us and God. Now, I know that the Bible tells us that we can come boldly before the throne, but we only come boldly before the throne through the blood of Jesus Christ because we don't deserve to be there, but for the blood of Christ. He is, look at your neighbor and say, Jesus is for me. He, he's for me. 
He represents me before the Father. He is our advocate before the Father. And John places this prayer of Jesus for us just before he is betrayed and arrested. It's prayed in the shadow of the cross. Think about that. Jesus, knowing that he's going to the cross, he doesn't, he, he only spends two or three of the verses at the very beginning of this prayer praying for himself and the whole rest of it for his disciples then and those who are to come in the shadow of the cross. He's going to be beaten, scourged. He's going to be nailed on a cross. He's going to die. And he prays for them. Wow. What a powerful thought. He prays for them in the shadow of the cross. Now, I, I don't know about you, but if I was facing something like that, and thank the Lord, I don't have to because he did it for me. But if I was facing something uh, desperate like that, something that would be very difficult for me, I would be praying for myself. Uh, this sounds kind of selfish, but I'd be like, I'm going to pray for you later. i got to pray for me now. Right? But Jesus prays for us in the shadow of the cross. In the shadow of the cross, he is pouring out his heart to God to help us, to bless us. It's not a gloomy prayer, but it is a heart where Jesus is encountering the Lord for us. He prays for us. But he didn't just pray for us one time. Aren't you thankful for that? I don't know about you, but I need the Lord's help every day. Sometimes more than once a day. Sometimes more than once a, an hour. Uh, let's just get real. Sometimes more than, you know, once uh, in, in a minute, I might need the Lord to help me and to pray for me. And so we see that he, Hebrews 7, 25, that he makes intercession for us. What is intercession? To entreat God on behalf of another person. So the very Son of God, Jesus, the Savior of the world, is intervening on our behalf. He's the high priest and the holy sacrifice that makes us to be able to come into the presence of God. He ever liveth, it says, to make intercession for us. What does that mean? He is always continually praying for us in full vigor, for full power, full strength, and in an efficient manner, Jesus is praying for us. Romans 8.34 says that he sits at the right hand of the Father making intercession for us. Why the right hand of the Father? Because it's a place of authority. And Jesus comes in full authority to the right hand of the Father to pray for you and me. He has all authority. All authority to bring our needs, our situation, our circumstances to the Father. There's, there's nothing hindering him, and there's nothing in the way between him and God to hinder for God to move on our behalf because Jesus himself is praying for us. I, I, I don't know if you're 
feeling this or not, but this week when I just begin to kind of just roll this over in my mind and just begin to think when I'm struggling, when I'm going through things, when I don't feel good, when I'm this, when I'm that, it don't matter how I feel because Jesus is praying for me. He knows my struggles. He's praying for me. He's interceding, bringing me before the, uh, the throne of God and, and, and there uh, uh, being my advocate. He is, uh, you know, 1 John 2, 1 tells us that if anyone sins, we have an advocate with Jesus Christ, the righteous. He's praying for us. Look at your neighbor and say he's for you and not against you. Now look at what Jesus does compared to what the devil does. Jesus stands at the right hand of the Father, and he's praying for you. And he don't get tired. He don't get weary. He don't forget to pray for you. Let's just get real. Sometimes we forget to pray for people when we said we would. So let me just challenge you. When somebody says pray for me, stop right then and pray. Don't wait till later because you'll forget it. You'll get too busy, and you'll neglect to pray when you've told somebody that you're going to pray for them. But Jesus doesn't do that. He never forgets. You're constantly on his mind. Right there. And he's praying and interceding for you. And then the Bible tells us that somebody else comes before the throne. And he accuses the brethren day and night. <laughs> Look what brother brother. Dwayne did. And he's pointing it out. Look how he failed. Look at Brother Brian. How he failed. How he sinned. How he came short. And, and look, he don't deserve your, your grace and your, your mercy. Look how he failed. Look how, look how he should have done better. And he's pointing it out to God. But all along, Jesus stands there. And he said, he sees Christ's righteousness instead of our unrighteousness. Our righteousness is like filthy rags, the Bible tells us. And I believe that God sees those nail prints. God sees the blood that still flows from Calvary, that still uh, covers our sin, still washes away our sin. And so uh, here is the devil doing all of these things, but Jesus is praying for us. Look at your neighbor and say, you're going to make it because Jesus is praying for you. Are you with me? Jesus is praying for you. Why? Why is Jesus praying for you? Oh, yeah, we need it for sure. And this chapter, if you want to study it, go look at it. It's going, to, there's, it's, it's going to point out to you how many reasons why Jesus is praying for you. Specific things. I want to point out one. It says, verse 11, I am no longer in the world. Jesus is already, he's looking past the cross, and he's looking to the glory of being in heaven in the relationship that he is in with the Father. And he says, I'm no longer in the world, but they are in the world. But they are in the world. I'm coming to you, Holy Father. Keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one. Say one. I don't know if you've realized it or not, but you're in the world. You ain't made it to heaven yet. Jesus hadn't come back yet. 
and you still have real problems and real situations. And not only uh, are the problem, but the whole world system is against you. And the Bible tells us that even the spirit of the Antichrist is already in the world. And you're a foreigner here. You don't belong here. You're just passing through. And he's praying for you because you're here. Because you're here. How many say, Pastor, I felt really here this week. I haven't felt like I've been in the, you know, in that atmosphere of heaven this week. You know what I'm saying? Every once in a while, you just have one of those days where everything goes right from beginning to end, and you think, man, heaven has arrived on earth, and then the next day shows up. And you realize you're still in the world. So Jesus prays for you. Look at your neighbor and say, we're still in the world. You see, when we get to heaven... We won't need Jesus to pray for us, but for now, we need it. Jesus is a powerful prayer for us. He understands our weaknesses, our temptations, our insecurities, our failures, our sinful nature. Though he himself ever never knew any sin, this world is not our home. So Jesus prays for us. Because we're in the world. And he says, keep them, Father. Father, keep them. I get the baby, I get the honor privilege to babysit my granddaughter every Wednesday. I know you get tired of hearing it, but too bad. You got grandkids too, and I listen to you. And I look at your, your pictures of your grandbabies, okay? Uh, and I see them on Facebook, how you posting all those things. So just let give me this privilege here. And when I babysit my little granddaughter, I don't just throw over into a playpen and say, well, take care of yourself. Papa's going on to do some other things. No. I interact with her. I make her laugh. Sometimes I might make her cry, but not on purpose. I watch her. I take care of her. I try to meet the needs that she has. Jesus said, Father, keep them. Before we called it babysitters, we said that somebody's keeping my children for me. Right? Father, because Jesus is praying for you, is keeping you. He has a watchful eye over you. We used to sing a song, and it was just, I just thought it was so spooky. There's an all-seeing eye watching over you. I was like, oh, I don't want that. But he's watching over you, caring for you, loving on you. I mean, aren't you glad the Lord is keeping you? Thankful that he's keeping you. And you and I need to be kept. See, Jesus didn't just ask the Father to keep us, but he said that they may be one. Look at your neighbor and say one. One doesn't come naturally. If it did, Jesus wouldn't have to pray for it. For us to be in unity and oneness is not natural. It is a supernatural gifting of the Holy Spirit that helps us to be at one with another. And it is such a powerful thing that when the world sees it, they see Jesus. By this will you know that you are 
mine, and that you have love for one another. So it doesn't come naturally. We have to have a gifting from God to love people and our even saved people. Sometimes saved people don't act any good better than unsaved people at times. Can I just get an amen? That's the truth. It shouldn't be, but it is the truth. And in order to be in unity and love them, we got to have something from God to help us do that. Because all of us have those people get on our nerves and we just like to yank them. You know what I'm saying? Never, never. God called us to be in unity. Unity is so powerful. When we trust God and we love one another, then everything is possible. Everything that God has called us to do is possible because he didn't put me here to work by myself. Let me preach this morning. He didn't put me here and say, Brian, you just get up there and you just preach hellfire and brimstone and you call it like it is. No, he said, get out there and love on the people and be in unity with them and help them work and get them to work and get them to uh, love people like, like I love you. To be in unity. Unity. It's powerful. We need Jesus to pray for us that we'll have unity. John 13, 35. By this you will know that you are my disciples, that you have love one for another. Why does Jesus pray for us? Because we need unity. Why else does he pray for us? Verse 15, I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but you keep them from the evil one. Sometimes I struggle with this. Let's just be real. Sometimes I have such a deep longing to go to heaven, to see Jesus, to experience his presence that never goes away, to be there with my loved ones. And sometimes I want to say, Lord, why don't you just, Take us on. Anybody, can we just be real? Sometimes, and, and that's a longing that we have to go home. There's nothing wrong with going home. And I have a longing for that. But why does Jesus pray for us? Because he prays for us that we would be able to fulfill our purpose. He said, I'm not taking you out of the world yet. Ronnie, you still got something left to do. God's still using you, still working on you. Dwayne, God's still got something for you to do. A purpose, a design. Jane, God's got something for you to do. And we're sent. We're sent into the world. A purpose, a plan, a destiny, a calling, if you will, upon our life. And Jesus is praying that you'll succeed in that. Can I tell you, I need Jesus to pray for me because sometimes what he asks me to do, I don't feel uh, able to do. Let's just be honest. Well, Pastor, I thought you was this big, spiritual, powerful person. Well, God uses me, but it, the power don't come from me. It comes from him, right? 
and he always seems to call me to do something that I don't want to do and I feel inadequate to do. Come on, help me preach this morning. And, and uh, you know, so he is praying for me, and because he is praying for me, there comes a supernatural anointing upon each one of us to do what God has called us to do. And so when we say we can't, it's the truth, but we can because his power is within us and he has called us for a purpose. And don't give up. Don't just uh, long to go home, but get your job done that he's called you to do. He's praying for you. When you feel inadequate, Jesus is praying for you. This message might just be all for me. But when I feel like I can't make it, to know this week in particular, it's been a little while since I read this, thought about this. Jesus is interceding for me, for you, for you. I don't know what you're going through. I don't need to because I know Jesus is praying for you. I don't know what heartaches and struggles you have, but Jesus is there with you praying for you. I don't know what sickness, disease you might have in your body, but I do know that Jesus is praying for you. I do know it. Tonight I'm going to Liberty, Kentucky to preach. God opened a a door of opportunity for me to go hopefully see my great uncle and preach there in that church. The pastor and I have been communicating this week. and He sent me a text yesterday. He said, there's a wonderful woman in our church who has lost, lost this week both her niece and her grandson, both of them young children. Pray for me. That they'll hear the message. I don't have the words of comfort to bring to that. But to know that Jesus is praying for them is powerful. You don't want to know what direction to go in. When you yourself have given up hope, I want you to know that Jesus is praying for you. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. You know every pain that I have. You know every sorrow in my life. You know every tear that I've shed. You know those who have hurt me, Lord. And you're still praying for me. Day and night. He prays for us. Don't give up hope. Don't give in. Don't give out. Because Jesus is praying for you. Nobody else might not know what you're going through. But Jesus, think about this. He knit you in the womb of your mother. I just got through reading, been reading through John. I just got through reading about and thinking about John who was baptized in the Holy Spirit, John the Baptist, in his mother's womb. Wow. Jesus knows you, and he prays for you.